Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday afternoon. We are now excited to go back to the Auburn Bank phone line, and we now welcome on Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. As it is finally game week, Ferg, we're very excited to have you on the program, very excited to talk about some Auburn football. How are you this afternoon? No, I'm doing well. How are y'all? Doing very well. So we finally have some previews to talk about of the season uh, coming up in just a second. But we do want to recap what went down in fall practice and uh, some decisions that were made personnel-wise. Of course, we want to start uh, with the culmination of the quarterback battle, landing Peyton Thorne the job. Uh, we know also on a, on a, a side note that Robbie Ashford does have a little bit of a bleak strain to worry about here for the first couple of games. But we'll start with, uh, with the actual battle itself. Uh, I know this was not the surprising result. Were you surprised that it was named a little sooner than maybe some some thought, or did you think that was uh, the the right time to to name Thorne there a couple weeks ago? Yeah, I was surprised it was as early as it was. I didn't expect Auburn to necessarily, you know, come out with a decision in advance. Um, you know, it seemed it seemed a little earlier than than most people expected, but you know, ultimately it was a good thing I think for Auburn to have. You know, full confidence that this is your guy and, you know, you get to practice for two weeks with him being your guy. That's a big thing for Auburn, for sure, is that, you know, they they got to work these last two weeks at quarterback or in this whole offense knowing, you know, hey, this is going to be our dude uh, at quarterback and, you know, still leaving it open for a guy like Robbie Ashford to be involved. I think it was a really good decision to be made and, and the timing was the timing was pretty, uh, pretty good, I think, um, instead of dragging it out. Justin, of all these positions in the in the fall, what what do you feel better about from the beginning of fall to now game week? Wh- which positions seem to stand out the most? Yeah, I think you know in terms of who's done the best. I think um, from the beginning of fall camp to now, I, I would say you know probably the offensive line and just feeling like you've got some established depth there. Um, you know the fact that. Isaiah Miller made a push to be a starter and could end up being the starter on Saturday against UMass uh, was pretty good because, you know, you, you'd love to have six, seven, eight guys you feel like could start for you at any moment. And I think that offensive line's really come along pretty strongly. And the other position group that I think surprisingly has done well in, in fall camp uh, is the edge rusher spot, Jack Linebacker. And Jalen McLeod isn't, hasn't been 100%, but he had a great camp when he, when he was healthy. Uh, and I think he's going to be a difference maker for Auburn this year. Steven Sings, uh, Elijah McAllister, uh, just doing some veteran stuff that you need on the edge when you lost so much. And uh, although I'm 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 skeptical about how good Auburn's run defense is going to be if they've they've shored up some of their problems on the interior there that they had last season, linebacker play has been iffy. Um, I do think that Jack linebacker spot is better off now than I think we thought it was going to be. Uh, at the start of fall camp, and so you know that that's a good sign for this team because you need you need to have dudes who can get out the quarterback. Justin, talk about another position group is the the wide receiver room. We we kind of got a depth chart yesterday, but it kind of didn't from what Hugh Freeze said and from what everything you've been hearing. What what have you been your thoughts uh, out of fall camp about the wide receiver room? Yeah, the, the wide receiver room is, is is fascinating to me because 
you know, I feel like everybody who's a scholarship wide receiver is going to be involved. I mean, Michael Johnson Jr. is the one that you haven't seen or heard about much. He's been hurt. Um, so I think that's the thing there for that group is that you've got a you've got a situation where they're just looking for people to create some separation. I think Shane Hooks probably is the furthest along, I guess, in terms of separating himself from the pack based on what he did in fall camp. Uh, but you've got Jay Fair and Javarius Johnson and Caleb Burton all going to get reps, I think, at, at, at the slot. You've got Amari Kelly and Jair Shorter and Cameron Brown and Nick Martin are on the outside in different roles. I mean, it's going to be kind of an all-hands-on-deck thing. And I think Auburn needs to use these first three games of the season before they get into SEC play. They need to find who they can trust at wide receiver in these first three games. If they can do that, you know, I think they'll be further along and, and, and be in a spot where they can get some momentum through the air uh, over, you know, the, the course of the season. Because I think it's going to be a work in progress. I think there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of new faces. On offense, it's going to be a while for them to click fully and, and gel. And I think this could be a good kind of like establishing foundation year uh, more than anything. I think back to like, think of Tennessee two years ago and how, you know, they showed the signs that they could get that passing game going in year one and then in year two it takes off. I think that's kind of the scenario where you could see Auburn follow along. And for that to happen, they need their wide receivers to step up. But in terms of who's going to be the guy and who's not going to be the guy, I think it's all up for grabs, and I think these first few weeks are going to be really telling for that crew. Uh, well, kind of sticking with that passing game, uh, you know, that's the wide receiver, but then you look at that tight end room with uh, Rivaldo Fairweather, uh, but you still have Luke Dill there as well. Uh, Fairweather, kind of thinking he may be more that pass-catching type tight end. Luke Dill more is kind of your your stereotypical tight end, I guess you could say. Is that how you're seeing that, or how do you think Fairweather is going to play into this passing game? Yeah, absolutely. I think Fairweather is going to be a guy that could end up being one of your top receivers this season, uh, just being at the tight end position. Uh, you know, Rivaldo, every time we saw him out there in practice and at fall camp, he was making plays. And, you know, I think that's the, the, the explosiveness, the, the catch radius. That's something Auburn hadn't really hadn't had at the tight end position in a while. And I think they're going to want to use that to the fullest extent uh, this season. And Luke Deal, yeah, you want him on the field because – you know, he can catch the ball, he can run routes, but, man, it's it's the, the weapon that he is as a blocker uh, and as an inline guy, I think. And I think that second wave of tight ends is very similar. Tyler Fromm, or the receiver type, split him out wide, do a variety of things with him. Brandon Frazier, big guy, more of the blocker uh, at that position group. So uh, Michael Riley, probably a dude who can do both. Uh, be interesting to see how they can try to get him on the field this season as a young player. But, yeah, they've got these kind of roles and – and, you know, you know, set spots for these tight ends. And I don't see any of those four tight ends as four senior tight ends as, like, one of those, like, hey, he can do every single thing you want him to do at a really, really high level at tight end, and you got to play him, you know, all the snaps. Instead, I think it's going to be kind of an all-hands-on-deck thing, kind of like wide receiver as well. But I do think Rivaldo in the passing game has really separated himself from the pack there. Justin, going into week one here, Auburn versus UMass, it's not often that you get film on your week one opponent fresh and that you don't have to look back at last season's film. How much of an advantage, I know Hugh Freeze was talk, uh, was asked about this, but how much of an advantage is it, especially with the UMass team, that kind of looks a, a, a bit different this year? Yeah, no, I think it's an advantage because, yeah, UMass looks a lot different on, on, on offense than they did last year. This is a a team on offense that couldn't get really much of anything going. And then this year they got uh, they, they got the uh, transfer quarterback who originally was at Georgia Tech and at Clemson and uh, Tyson Palmache. And, and, like, he's, he's done a really good job, I thought, in week one or week zero, I should say, 
um, making plays. He's a, he's a good runner. He's hard to bring down. He can make throws. He's got that he's got that pedigree from playing at a at power five at the power five level. Um, they look different on offense, and, and it is not the same type of offense they ran last year. So that is an advantage. Your defense isn't going to be caught totally out by surprise when they're like, oh wow. When did UMass start running all these RPOs? When did they start doing all the spread stuff? That's going to be an advantage. Defensively, uh, you know, Don Brown's defenses are are, are, are usually really aggressive. Uh, the thing about UMass last week is, you know, UMass's defense um, they 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 forced turnovers and they and they scored off those turnovers. Uh, Twenty one points off of, off of three turnovers. If they don't do that. Uh, you know, it's probably a rough day for that defense because they average about like seven and a half yards per play allowed. Mexico State hit some shots on them, especially down the stretch of that game when they were trying to make a comeback. So, you know, I think for I think for this this team, Auburn got to learn a lot. You're going to see some differences on offense, and you're going to see a defense is going to be aggressive. They're going to gamble. They're going to try to try to do some things, try to snatch some possessions, and steal some things uh, in Jordan Hare on Saturday. So, ultimately, I think it's a good thing for Auburn. Look. This is a team that wasn't supposed to be very good this year, one of the worst teams at FBS the last few years. I think they're better than we expected, and we saw that in week one. But also I think they took they did a really good job of taking advantage of some turnovers and kind of the surprise of a new offense. Um, if Auburn can take care of the ball and, and tackle the quarterback, I think they could get you know a game like we had expected coming into it uh, where, they, where they take care of it with ease. We're talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer today on Sports Call. A couple more, more for you, Ferg, here. Uh, one more about UMass. I, I would think that whenever we look at lines to this, I mean, it's always very hard to determine when second strings come in, how much they're going to put up against a weaker opponent. I think the line's still something like 36. I think it moved down a point or two after UMass's victory over New Mexico State, but ultimately not consequential. So rather than a final score or that sort of thing, Ferg, what what should we be looking towards to the timing of when Auburn can get the second string in? And and, and what to you in, in your mind would be a, a good part of the game to say, okay, Auburn achieved what they needed to achieve if they can get the first string out by what time? Yeah, if you're in the third quarter and you feel like you don't have your, your, you know, midway through the third quarter, early third quarter, and you're feeling like you don't have to, you know, really stress your starters any, any, any much more than that, and you can get some, get some reserves in, I think that's smart. You know, a lot of, a lot of teams will want to, you know, even if you're blowing teams out, you might, uh, go to halftime, feel good, come out, let them, let them have another drive or two in the second half, and then, and then call the dogs off. I think that's a good, that's a good place to be at. You know, I, I wouldn't expect Auburn. I mean, if Auburn comes in and just blows the doors off of UMass and this looks like a game where they win by 40, 50, you know, points, you know, I think that changes some things about, you know, how you view about how quickly this team can kind of come together. But what's more likely going to happen is that UMass is going to be stingier than people thought they were going to. Auburn's going to be a work in progress, especially on offense, getting some time and down. I wouldn't expect it to click early. But if you feel like you're in control of this game and you feel like you're going to be able to take care of business and 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 it's already put away by the you know middle of the third quarter, I think that's a good sign for Auburn. And then Justin, as we try to learn, and you alluded to it a little bit right there, as we try to learn about this team, and look to some degree, you don't even know what you need to know even after the Cal game in week two. But what can we try to look towards? 
uh, trying to figure out just clues on where this team might be headed uh, as far as even though it's a UMass team that's well below that of an SEC team, it looked clearly better than what they were going to be last year. But what can we try to decipher and get clues on uh, on Auburn's play on, on Saturday? I think week one is going to be about determining who Auburn can trust, whether that is the amount of running backs they want to use, who's going to step up a wide receiver and tight end, what's the offensive line they prefer the most, can their defensive has their defensive front improved? How many guys are they going to rotate there? Uh, defensive backs, you know, how much are they going to use some of the guys behind those veteran senior starters uh, that we know are going to be out there? I think that's the big thing for me as personnel. Like, who is playing? Who does? It, who can they trust right now? And it's not a it's not a done deal. You know, if you don't get very many snaps in week one, doesn't mean it's over for you. Guys can get better and develop and and and, and improve throughout the year. I think that's the one thing. We don't talk about, or you know, I think in college football it gets brushed aside too often. Is like every game is different, and and guys can get better, teams can get better and evolve and adapt. So you know, the makeup of this team will change throughout the season. But I will be interested to see. Hey, week one, all these new faces, all these new players, new coaches, new schemes. Who do they trust right now, and who do they like? Because in a week from now, you're about to go to a Cal team that. You know, it's not a great team on paper, but that's a power five team you're playing away from uh, away from home, uh, and, and you're going to have to play a solid to good game to come out of there with a win. Um, if that's the case, like who who can you trust for that game? And I think this UMass game is a good way to determine who who they got you know early in the year. And then Justin, finally, a little bit more of a different question here, uh, not necessarily Auburn related. I saw the headline today that apparently the uh, ACC and ESPN are going to work to put some games in movie theaters, apparently, in ACC markets. I know that obviously you're working each Saturday covering the game, but let's say you were available. Would you have any interest in watching a college football game in a movie theater? It's interesting because it's like, you know, there are people who love, like, the social element of watching college football where you go to a go to a bar, you go to a restaurant, watch a game, you have a good time. So it, this is a different way of kind of doing that. It's interesting, like, there are a lot of wrestling, like, pay-per-views that do this now where you can watch that in a, a movie theater, and I I kind of get it. Like, it's kind of, feel football may be a little different because there's a lot of downtime and a lot of commercial breaks, and, and you know, uh, it, you know, the good thing about college football, I think, um, especially, especially this time of year is, you know, you watch a college football game, you're going to want to be able to keep your eyes on other stuff, whether it's the quarter break, TV timeouts, halftime. You want to be able to bounce around. So watching a game in a movie theater, I think you're probably going to limit yourself just to one thing, and that, I think, can kind of take some of the fun out of what Saturday can be in college football. But it's interesting to see if they get, they get any success with it because I, I know for big events uh, that, is, that has become a really popular thing. Yeah, it does fascinate me a little bit. I'm a frequent moviegoer, too, and uh, it seems like it could work, but also, as you just point out, the ability to flip to other games when you are at home and the environment, that that, that is an interesting uh, problem to have there. Well, we certainly appreciate the time today, Justin. Tell our listeners, as always, on the Auburn Observer what's going on here in the coming days. Yeah, AuburnObserver.com, check it out. we got a lot of stuff coming uh, these next few days. Uh, you know, had a story up today on uh, Eugene Asante, Griffin speaks to the biggest surprise names of that depth chart and this defense uh, heading into week one. Uh, got a story on the wide receivers up yesterday, a podcast up today. Tomorrow we're doing our bonus podcast by popular demand. Uh, Dan and I went through a question that we get a lot this time of year, which is, hey, 
I'm coming to Auburn. Uh, I haven't been to Auburn in a while. Where do I need to eat? So we got a ton of uh, restaurant recommendations and a bonus podcast tomorrow. Game preview on Thursday. Uh, I'm doing a 2013 look-back series for the 10th anniversary. I'm going to do uh, a newsletter every week about the 2013 season. That first one's going to drop Thursday morning. Uh, mailbag on Friday. We'll have uh, observations and, and film room and a recap and all that good stuff over the weekend at the Observer. So perfect time to sign up, AuburnObserver.com. Still running the special, $4 a month or $40 a year. Cheapest price you're ever going to get it. Uh, so sign up now and we email everything to you uh, most mornings around 6 a.m., Central time. Well, he's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Justin, as always, we really appreciate the time. We're excited that football's back. There's a lot of stuff to uh, look at in the Auburn Observer, as you just said, so it's a great time to sign up, and uh, we certainly hope people do that. And again, we really appreciate the time today. Absolutely. Thank you, guys.